Welcome into week five and the first edition of the Game on Fantasy Weekly Review Podcast. Gage and I are here after the Packers game. Uh, for me, it's only nine o'clock, but for Gage, it's after midnight. So uh, make sure to give him some props for that. But we're here to review the uh, week four in the NFL season, and there's a lot to talk about. So the expectations for this week as being a barometer, definitely uh, it, it, it was up to snuff this week. And uh, I, I can't wait to start talking about some of these games because uh, Calvin Ridley, as we all know, dropped a big old goose egg. Uh, There's a couple other big-name players that either had big days or had dud days. So uh, why don't we just kind of jump right into it because it is midnight. So let's start kind of quick-firing through these real quick. Let's start with the Broncos and the Jets. Broncos-Jets, man. That game was – I I'm still – kicking myself for not playing Tim Patrick. I had him on my bench in our 14-team pack-a-day podcast league, and I lost by enough. Like He would have given me the win. If I played him over Marvin Jones, who I thought Marvin Jones had a good matchup against the third or fourth string corner for New Orleans, I was wrong. Marvin Jones bit me. Tim Patrick went off sitting on my bench. Uh, Jerry Judy had the one big play. He, I don't know if Brett Rippon just didn't like him was mad at him or something like he only gave him four targets on the night which was third on the team and that's after Noah Fant went out with an injury so uh Melvin Gordon had a big game uh really sealed the game off with that big long run for a touchdown late on the Jets side of things Jamison Crowder uh if you don't roster him if you didn't target him in PPR this year you made a mistake uh, as long as he's on the field he's a PPR threat every single week 17.4 points 10 targets led the team uh what do you make of this jeff smith performance i was actually a big guy uh big jeff smith fan uh heading into the season he was a guy i was stashing in a lot of places he originally was on the new england roster and i thought maybe there was an opportunity for him there and then they cut him uh at preseason you know cut down days and uh, he ended up on the jets with an even better opportunity so I I'm kind of stashing him in some places. If you're really looking for a wide receiver, you've been hit, you've been bit by the injury bug. Uh, I I don't think Jeff Smith is a bad option as a stash because he's a real nice gadget player, and with a guy like Sam Darnold who is just getting the crap beat out of him, uh, he's always looking for that for that dump down. And uh, Jeff Smith just provides you a really nice upside as a big play threat. So I, I don't think that Jeff Smith's going to go away. Uh, I think by the end of the season, we'll be talking him, talking about him as a legitimate wide receiver, too, in New York. But, I mean, you have to factor in Brashad Perriman and Denzel Mims are going to come back at some point, right? Well, I'm not a, I'm not a Mims believer, so. Oh, okay. You're okay. So, Mims slander. Got it. But, <laughs> I mean, maybe Perriman, even if you but... think, even if you're not a fan of Mims, like, Perriman's going to come back. He, like, he's not on injured reserve. He was just out for this week. Like, I don't mind Jeff Smith, but I think if Perriman comes back, he's still going to be the two. I, I Crowder's, the, Crowder's the one for me. I don't believe in the t- prototypical, like, X receiver. I believe that Crowder is the lead guy. He's going to get the most targets. He's going to get the most looks. And then after that, Perriman and Smith will split targets, and I think that that'll cut in pretty significantly. Cause, so you had Chris Hogan got eight targets, couldn't do anything with him, only had four for 23. Smith was highly efficient, caught 7-9 for 81 yards. That's great. I'm pretty sure he was close to a wide receiver one week If I, uh, last I had looked, like in PPR for, formats, which is just hilarious to think about. Uh, let's see. Wide receiver ones this week. Uh, nope, he did not quite get in. 
Where's he at? This is standard score. Standard score. PPR. He had a good week. I know he did. James Crowder had 17.4. Jeff Smith had 15.1. So he could have had a better week. But, like, out of a guy, like you said, stashing, like, he had a good week. And I think that he could, like, maybe be something. I just have more faith in Mims's ability to produce. All right. Uh, Tyler has walked away, folks. So I got to kind of uh, advance for him here. So Sam Darnold is dealing with an injury. He got sacked six times uh, on Thursday night against Denver. Uh, Bradley Chubb had two and a half. Josie Jewell had two. Just this Broncos defense was beating him up. Mekhi Becton. Adam Gase deserves to be fired on site for letting Mekhi Becton play in that game. I don't care if Mekhi said, I'm good to go. I, you you don't play him there. Mekhi is, has the potential to be a future like elite left tackle in football. Some have already dubbed him as a top 10 left tackle. I'm not willing to put that stamp on him yet. He's only played four games. He should have played. He should have played three. He shouldn't have played on Thursday night. It was, it was gross negligence by Adam Gase. Bill O'Brien got fired today, rightfully so as a GM and as a coach, because his play calling has gotten stale, but Adam Gase should be fired for that. That's just unacceptable. I don't know how you feel about that, Tyler, by the way, you're still on mute. Uh, I, yes. But it's un, it's I was letting you rant. I was letting you You're rant. Good. It's just it's unacceptable. <laughs> Becton is a great young talent. I love the player. Loved him at Louisville. But letting him play in this game when you're zero and three, and you're just there's no reason for him to be in the game there. No reason. Well, I mean, we could talk about injury management all day. And I, you know, the Packers obviously made the right choice by keeping Devontae Adams out of the game against the Falcons, uh, and and now they go into a bye week where they have a chance to come out of it completely healthy outside of a couple of players uh, that we'll talk about later. But, you know, injury management is a big thing. And especially with these young guys, uh, if they, if they suffer a major injury setback, it can really affect their development long-term. And so the fact that Adam Gates, Adam Gates still has a job, it really is amazing to me. Um, so after this game, the Jets did cut Kalen Bellage. Not that surprising. I mean, he had a couple of nice plays in the game, but ultimately he's just a guy in the NFL. Uh, it was a lot of fun to watch at ASU. I had the privilege of watching him in, in real uh, in real time, but he just hasn't really translated to the NFL level. And so that just leads into the return of Le'Veon Bell probably in week five. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell is supposed to come back, which is great because Frank Gore hasn't done anything since he's played. Like, Gore has been... Is exactly as uninspiring as expected. And if LaMichael P. Ryan is able to be something, he had five for 15, so nothing really too inspiring there. But if you have him as your third with Frank Gore and Le'Veon Bell, you're, you'll live with it. It's nothing great. But so who are you taking as the wide receiver two in Denver? Because obviously I think the number one is Judy, even though he didn't get the targets this past week. Uh, Tim Patrick. Tim if, Patrick if or Jerry Judy is the Jerry Judy's the one, Tim Patrick's the two. K.J. Hamler... He did he not he didn't play the other night did he? He played. I don't think. He okay, did much, well then though. he had no he had no targets. Jake Butt had a target. Uh, let's see here. Which is unfortunate. You're right. He I had love, zero I love targets. Uh, so if Jerry so Jerry Judy's the one. Tim Patrick's the two. Uh, those are the only two receivers right now that I'm comfortable rostering on this uh, Denver offense. Like in, in Dynasty, I love KJ Hamler, but if you're in redraft formats. Uh, I'm not. I'm not trying to go grab KJ Hamler right now. I would prefer Jeff Smith over KJ in redraft. I think right that's now. fair. I think that's very fair. And yeah, Tim Patrick. If you, uh, if maybe you, maybe you dubbed him your substitute for the week. Uh, but there was no, 
uh, there was no no use for it so um, let's see here moving on let's go to let's go to Bears Colts I actually can't wait to talk about this game because okay. uh, you know we had quite differing takes and um, it ended up being quite a shit show honestly yeah this there. game was gross yes so Bears Colts here 19 to 11 two touchdowns in the entirety of the game um, what are your takeaways in this Bears offense Allen Robinson has got to be the only usable piece the only piece you can depend on moving forward David Montgomery was disappointing all around although he was getting some of the receiving work which was nice um, so that that's positive moving forward but overall David Montgomery had a very disappointing week 10 carries for 27 yards three catches for 30 on six targets uh, he had a 17 yard catch off of a screen I believe that was super uh, super smooth and it, it's good to see with the absence of Tariq Cohen that he's going to be getting some of that receiving work but other than that, I'm not touching Foles or Trubisky, no matter who's quarterbacking. Uh, I'm not touching the, the wide receiver two for a while because I, lo- I love Anthony Miller, but he can't seem to keep his target pace up. And Darnell Moody was the guy. Moody had nine targets the other day, five for 52. Uh, I watched pretty much this entire game, and what I saw out of Chicago was extremely disappointing on the offensive side of the ball. They had... I believe Foles had like 130 passing yards or something dumb in like deep into the fourth quarter. Like he wasn't doing anything. I was ranting in my living room by myself about the fact that Foles still is nothing good. And he showed that this Colts defense, I will admit was better than I expected, but this bears offense made them look fantastic. Foles couldn't, Foles couldn't hit anybody deep. And that's the whole point. That's the entire reason why, Oh, we're benching true. Like everyone said, oh, they're benching Trubisky because he can't hit the deep ball. Foles' average average completion was five point nine yards. He couldn't do anything. He he had a pick. He just he looked bad. This Bears offense didn't do anything. David Montgomery had ten carries for twenty seven yards. His long was six. That means he had nine carries for twenty one yards. That is a little over two yards per carry for those of you doing math at home. Montgomery. Now, the one encouraging thing about Montgomery, he dominated the running back snaps. When I say dominated, dominated, he had all but one snap as the Bears running back on in, in week four against Indianapolis. So from a volume perspective, he's going to be the guy. He didn't get a ton of work, but you also factor in the Colts, probably their biggest strength on defense if and is probably their defense is probably their defensive tackles and then after that it's the linebackers and you can honestly interchange those two Darius Leonard's great one of the best middle linebackers he's not even playing football. right now he played yesterday no he? he's, he's, he's yeah, out well, okay. he's injured he's not even playing right now what okay so that just factors in how oh wait a minute hold on I, he had I one was, tackle I was like I was he had like, one tackle sure he did play he had one tackle okay so, so he only had sure, one tackle pretty sure he got hurt either in the game or he might try to play he was injured though so Okay, well, he wasn't on the pregame injury report, and I was pretty sure I saw him out there. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, he is he is dealing with an injury now, so that's okay. what happened. But so this this linebacker group is really good. Anthony Walker, Bobby Okereke, uh, just Kari Willis is good. Uh, I really, but I'm a really big fan of this Colts defense, like this Colts linebacker room, and they were they're built to neutralize guys like Montgomery. I think Montgomery has better days ahead. I'm not in love with starting him. Uh, he has fallen down significantly for me, considering where I had him coming into the year. But I, I agree. Robinson's the only guy I'm comfortable with. I said that Jimmy Graham was an interesting streaming option. 
He had four for 33 on five targets. Just Which, Foles doesn't... At the Foles tight end spot, it's actually not terrible. It's not. Foles just doesn't push the ball down the field. Jimmy Graham wasn't bad yesterday. It wasn't bad yesterday. Yeah, I'm going to call it yesterday because it's, <laughs> it's, it's still Monday for everyone else. Uh, I still like Jimmy Graham just because I think he's going to get volume. He's a low... He's a high-end tight end, too. Uh, and if he gets a touchdown, he's a low-end tight end one for me on a weekly basis right now just because he gets consistent volume. But other than that, this Bears offense is gross. On the cold side of the ball, why? I don't know why Frank Reich doesn't like Jonathan Taylor more. He has not been good. Eh, he's I don't care. Good. He has not he's been be- good. He's and better than Naeem Hines. He's better than Jordan Wilkins, who have 1.7 yards per carry. I agree, not, but okay, there have been Jordan Wilkins woes. had 9 for 15 yesterday, a long of 6. So that means he had 8 carries for 9 yards. That's bad. I agree. No, I 100% agree. It's just that he has had some rookie bro, some rookie woes. The the vision that we saw on display at Wisconsin has been absent through the first three weeks, um, and so he hasn't been he hasn't been awful. Let's just put he it hasn't that been way. awful, but, but he I hasn't lived still, up to the still... hype in, in, in its in his entirety. He has not lived up to the hype yet. Um, he'll keep getting the carries because like Naheem Hines is not going to take a ton of carries between the tackles, and Jordan Wilkins was all over the freaking place he had there were plays where i was like wow that that was a really nice run and then the next play he's running five yards sideways and he's getting tackled for a loss so he he just didn't do anything too exciting for me i think jonathan taylor should just get the ball more and also one thing that i want to point out so watching the game rivers apparently was over 75 percent or was like 74 percent completion through the first three games like each game he had like one was 78 one was 76 i think the other one was 74 percent this game he was 16 of 29 the uh, the announcers go, he's just slightly off that 75%. He, that's barely over 50%. Get out of here with this nonsense of he's barely off. <laughs> Mo Ali Cox is going to be a thing moving forward. Uh, he just he had, had a bad... He two targets. He only had two targets, but it was a really bad matchup. Jack Doyle, he still had one more than Jack Doyle. He got the, he got a touchdown. He's a better athlete. The The Bears have a good a really good cover like safety in Eddie Jackson. They have good linebackers in Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan. I I think that Mo Ali Cox just had a bad matchup here. Okay, we it. need to talk about T. Y. Hilton though. Because Zach Pasco out targeted him. Yeah. Uh, and T. Y. Hilton, this is the third straight week I think where he's had not a lot of targets. And Yeah, no, he's not it, doing well. Rivers is not able to push the ball down the field like he was in Los Angeles. So what are we doing with T.Y. Hilton moving forward? Because if he's not, getting, he's not getting that deep play value, I don't know he's, if I can touch T.Y. Hilton he's, for a while. He's purely a flex option at this point. Uh, he, was, he was a wide receiver, two with wide receiver, one upside with Luck, and even Jacoby Brissett last year because Brissett would just force feed him the ball. But uh, with Rivers under center, you're right. Rivers can't push the ball down the field, so Hilton loses a lot of his deep threat ability. Uh, and he's not getting just raw volume. Like, Trey Burton had as many targets as he did yesterday. 3 for 29 isn't great. T.Y.L. is nothing more than a flex option for me. I'm not going to knock him too hard for the bad matchup. I think next week uh, against uh, Denver or Cleveland, excuse me, if Cleveland shuts him down, then he's going to probably be relegated. Well, he likely to draws Denzel Ward next week. So. He, he does, but I think that Denzel Ward, well, a great corner. Absolutely. A great corner. I don't know. I think that the defense as a whole isn't as good as the one Chicago features, which makes it easier to like if you have a good group and total, that's easier to slow down one guy than having just one good guy trying to slow down the whole group. Granted, I do think the Cleveland defense is not bad. All right. Where do you want to go next? 
let's see here. So, Zach Pascal, real quick, he had eight targets. Uh, so, he's the guy probably to keep on as the wide receiver, too, as long as Pittman Jr. remains out because uh, he, he was a late scratch. I know he was dealing with injuries throughout the week, but I thought he was going to play. Um, but he was dealing with a late scratch. But let's go to Bengals and Jaguars. This was a fun game, uh, mostly because Joe Mixon finally went off. Good things happen when you get the ball to Joe Mixon, Zach Taylor. Keep that Crazy. in mind. So Crazy. Uh, that touchdown run he had where he ran down the sideline and then hurdled that, that defender on the five and, and fell into the end zone that way uh, was fantastic. I had so much fun watching uh, Joe Mixon this week. And that I, I just popped up on my screen, too. That's crazy. Um, he had 25 carries, 151 yards, two, uh, two touchdowns. And then you add in the receiving work. He had six catches for 30 yards and a score. That's three touchdowns. That's 31 touches and 181 yards. Keep, give me all of it. Keep it going. You just paid the guy. Make him your guy. I think team. I think Zach Taylor watched the Saints from a couple weeks ago against the Packers, and he's like, "Oh, that's how you use your twelve million dollar a year running back." So uh, Joe Mixon is a guy to keep an eye on going forward. You know what happened this game? Giovanni Bernard did not get a lot of work, and look what happened. Joe Mixon was fine. So it's crazy how that works. Um, Joe Burrow. So Joe Burrow is going to come out of this game with a 54.8 QBR, which is about average uh, to the ESPN rating. So uh, Joe Burrow is becoming a borderline QB1 every week. If this offense continues to produce like it has, it's going to come into favorable matchups, and Joe Burrow should be um, in consideration to play every single week. So Tyler Boyd is the leading receiver here, uh, and T. Higgins was number two right behind him. Uh, so Tyler Boyd had eight targets, seven catches for 90 yards. Really efficient day for him. T. Higgins had four on four for 77, excuse me, on seven targets, and then Drew Sample uh, and Joe Mixon were the next two. So, and actually, uh, you missed one. AJ Green also had five targets on the day. We will get to him in a minute. Oh, sorry, yeah, he's in the bottom of this extremely list. Extremely inefficient. Yes. We will get to him in a minute, though. I want to talk about Joe Mixon real quick. Okay, I agree. Joe Mixon was great. I love it because I was big on Joe Mixon. But I don't think Joe Mixon is going to get 31 touches every week. I think 20 to 20. Well, why not, I though? I understand that I'm he not, hasn't, but I'm, I'm saying, saying why should I'm saying that I don't, think, I don't think they're going to because they haven't done it this far, and I think that this is more of an outlier than anything else because they were up really big. They were up, let's see, 24, 27, 27 to 13 mid after the third quarter so they were up really big so they could lean on joe mixon i agree joe mixon needs to get the ball more than he does i in the art in my start sit that i wrote for dynasty nerds last week i wrote zach taylor just give joe mixon the damn ball wasn't hard or maybe that's for a baller not important but anyway i agree joe mixon needs to get the ball more he needs to be in your lineups because these are the weeks he can have when he gets fed the volume that he deserves moving on to receivers tyler boyd i love tyler boyd he continues to produce he got eight targets this week seven for 90 uh didn't get in the end zone but that's okay when your guy gets you 16 points because he got a ton of volume you're going to take that all day long i love it uh tyler boyd was one of my targets all off season because people wanted to fade in because they wanted guy like flashier names tyler boyd isn't a sexy player he doesn't do anything overly outstanding but what he does is he makes good plays he gets good volume and fantasy volume is king uh t higgins are you starting to pick up T. Higgins shares and possibly play him in your flex, like I said to you this week? I'm not playing him on my flex, but I am picking up shares of him. Uh, I'm a big proponent of leaving your draft with a lot of wide receiver depth. 
which is which enables you to when guys start producing like T Higgins, you can pick him up and stash him still. Let him let him prove himself, especially next week. He draws Baltimore on the road, which is why when you said Joe Burrow is a budding QB one, I agree he's a budding QB one. But I'm not playing him next week on okay, the road that's against fine. Baltimore. That's a one off though. I I agree, but I so I think T Higgins after like after next week, I. I think that he could he could start to do some things, and I'm a big fan of him. I, I agree. I'm going and trying to find shares of him anywhere I can, which in a lot of which in dynasty leagues, obviously that's not possible. I have shares of him in redrafts here and there. So, I but I agree. T Higgins is a thing moving forward. What do you think about AJ Green? I think that after at the beginning of the year, you're like, oh, he's he's rusty. Joe Burrow's a rookie. Now I think you have to just say AJ Green and Joe Burrow just don't have a connection. I think it's still too early. I'm not giving up on him. It's but we're four weeks into the season. AJ Green continues to get targets and he continues to not do at like he continues to do zero with them. I'm just not giving up on him yet. I I don't think you can play him, but I'm not cutting him. Uh, oh, I'm not cutting him, but I but just I don't think you can play, play him right now. So he's I'm, got I'm gonna, one I'm, less target than Tyler Boyd on the season, thirty-four to thirty-three, right. but. Tyler Boyd has 28 catches compared to 14 for A.J. Green. Tyler Boyd has 320 yards compared to 119 for A.J. Green. Tyler Boyd is catching 82% of the balls thrown his way. A.J. Green, 42%. It's literally a 40% difference. I understand that Tyler Boyd's going to regress some because 82% is just highly unlikely for anybody that's not a running back to maintain. Michael Thomas, I think had 78% one year or something like that. And even that was considered insane for it to happen. So, yeah, so I think that AJ Green's going to regress some, but right now I think, like, he, if you play him, you are dealing with injuries to literally everybody that you roster because I have no faith in his ability to produce right now. I think he's a talented player. Uh, In the last decade, he's been one of the NFL's best wide receivers, but I cannot rely on him to produce right now especially when you have options like T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, uh, even Drew Sample at tight end. Drew Sample's a decent tight end option. He had 7.7 PPR points this week, three for 47, five targets. Not a bad week at all. What do you think about DJ Shark? Finally got to have the week that we, uh, we've we all been hoping for. Well, I mean, really, Gardner Minshew went off and had 27 completions for 350 yards and two scores. Uh, the offense for the Jaguars was able to put up some points. DJ Shark uh, was able to get in the end zone a couple times, and that was easy for him. Uh, LaVisca Chenault is the wide receiver, too, in Jacksonville. Not that it was necessarily a question, but it's been absolutely 100% confirmed now. Uh, so as long as Chenault is healthy, you're probably playing him in your flex in most formats. Uh, Keelan Cole is a deep bench format, a deep bench play uh, in, in most formats. So uh, let's see here. But Gardner Minshew... Probably I, actually, I actually played Visca in a couple of leagues this week. He did me. He did well for me. I was pretty. I was pleasantly surprised. Or I was, I was, I was pleasantly. Uh, I was really happy with what I got out of him. He's, like he's exceeded my expectations so far this year. He's been better than I thought he was going to be. So, wow, slander. Uh, I just thought he was a running back playing, trying to play receiver. wide receiver. Yeah, that's well, really did what you I know mean. he was a receiver playing receiver. It's crazy. <laughs> All right, let's go to Browns Cowboys. This was a fun game. This I was watched a fun, fun game. It started I off, a lot of this match. Yes, it started off with the Jarvis Landry, uh, thirty yard pass or what, thirty five yard pass to thirty seven. 
Okay. One well, for one for 37 yards and a touchdown. Uh, that's how the game started, and it just went uphill from there. So many fantasy points all around. I think you and I both were on CD Land that this week, and Michael Gallup did next to nothing. Um, yeah, two for 29 on five targets. The gaudy number here is Amari Cooper, and it's 16 targets this week. Which Amari is Cooper is the wide receiver one in PPR formats right now after yes. week four, it's, especially I mean, after the dud that Calvin Ridley just put up. I mean, it makes Amari sense. Cooper. You have to have a wide receiver one if you have a quarterback who's producing at the rate that Dak Prescott's producing right now. So it makes sense. The the second gaudy number here is the 12 carries for Ezekiel Elliott. Now, I don't want to say I called Ezekiel Elliott not being as good this year, but we saw what McCarthy did to Aaron Jones when he was in Green Bay. We saw what he did to the running back position in general when he was in Green Bay. It's not all that surprising that he's coming into Dallas and destroying Ezekiel Elliott's rushing okay. floor. But, I want to push back on this but, real quick. Hold on. But Ezekiel Elliott is still getting receiving work, so he'll still be a viable option. But the point is, is I think we need to temper expectations of Ezekiel Elliott being a top option every single week because there are going to be weeks where Mike McCarthy is going to do McCarthy things. And next thing you know, Ezekiel Elliott is getting 10 to 15 touches a game as opposed to 20 to 25. Okay, I have to push back on this. Obviously, you, you caught the thing about the receiving work. Eight targets, caught all eight of them for 71 yards. That's great. That's 15 points in PPR. He had 54 yards on the ground. So now we're up to just over 20 points. That's a pretty good damn week. That's an RB1 okay. week right there. You're also, I mean, he's not going to have eight catches for 71 yards every week. He's not going to But that. you're also, so you also have to factor in Dallas got behind in a big way. I understand that their defense is bad, but I find it hard to believe that they're going to have back-to-back scoreless quarters. They went. They put up 14 in the first quarter, and then they didn't score again until the fourth quarter. I find it hard to believe that they're not going to score just for that long of a stretch. This offense is too potent. They put up 24 points in the fourth quarter. I understand that Cleveland was playing prevent defense, so Dak was able to throw it all over the yard. But Dak, Zeke's going to get more than 12 carries every week. He averaged four and a half yards per carry. They were able to run the ball, no problem, despite having a beaten-up offensive line. I think that Zeke's still going to be an RB1. I have no qualms. He's starting for me every single week. And if he's not starting for you, you're doing it wrong. I think that Zeke had a outlier week and yet still produced heavily because they involved him in the in the game. So the only threat to him would be, like in Green Bay, the threat to Aaron Jones was always Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams got touches. Here's the difference. Zeke had a total of 20 touches. Tony Pollard, the backup, had four so he had five, it was a five to one touch ratio. So if Zeke now, if it had been closer to like Zeke having 12, car- 12 carries and four catches and Tony Pollard had five catches and and three carries. And so it was eight to like 16. Then I'd be a little bit more worried. But him still thoroughly out or out snapping, thoroughly getting more work and still being efficient with his touches. I'm going to take Zeke all day and feel really comfortable about it. I am just gonna. I'm just putting it out into the ether, just for just for later. Anyway, let's move on to the Browns side. Tons of fantasy points here. Seven touchdowns from the Browns. Uh, so the sad news here is that Nick Chubb did go down. Uh, I didn't see what type of knee injury it was. Maybe even Achilles, but it was uh, sprained MCL injury. He was okay. put on injured reserve earlier today. He will be out at least three weeks. Uh, projected for three to six. Perfect. So. Nick Chubb is gone for three weeks. Uh, at Cream least. Hunt season. 
Kareem Hunt and Ernest Johnson is probably the other guy that you're going to go pick up and stash on your bench um, just in case, God forbid, Kareem Hunt goes down. Then I think Especially because Kareem Hunt's been dealing with that groin injury, so it could yes. be uh, even I, more interesting. I still think they deploy the two running back system regardless. So I am going with Dearness Johnson here. He's a guy I'm going to go put a ton of fab on in my redraft leagues this, this week uh, because I think that he has the opportunity to really be a good, really good option for the next couple weeks here. Uh, and then in the receiving game, Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham, Odell Beckham, Odell Beckham. Um, he returned to form this week. Uh, he only had five catches, but on eight targets. Um, the Browns really hammered the rock. Like, they ran the ball a lot. But when and they that were throwing... with Odell Beckham Jr., but when they were running, yeah, it does include with Odo Beckham Jr. But when they were uh, when they were throwing, it was to Odo Beckham, Jarvis Landry, and Austin Hooper. Um, the other name here that's really been interesting, he's kind of been rising up my boards slowly throughout the weeks, is Harrison Bryant. Now, Harrison Bryant is not yet a viable fantasy option, but if you have not stashed him in Dynasty yet, you probably should because he's going to be uh, a good tight end option moving forward. Uh, I. I know they signed Hooper to a long-term deal. I know they did. I don't know how long that lasts. I know Kevin Stefanski loves his tight ends, but we do have a Irv Smith, Kyle Rudolph situation here that ultimately provided both guys some viable fantasy weeks at times. So I think he's worth a stash, and he's worth a play uh, in in some deeper formats in, in your flex because he always has that chance to get a touchdown, I believe. Yeah, uh, Harrison Bryant had a good week. I liked what I saw out of him. Um, if he's available in your dynasty leagues, I'd be I'd be pretty surprised about it, to be honest. Austin Hooper getting the touchdown was huge. Um, I've pretty much left Hooper for dead to this point in the year, but seeing him get seven targets, uh, it helps that he had the greatest of great matchups, um, which means Evan Engram is due next week, of course, against Dallas. Uh, so it so it was nice to see him get five for thirty four and a touchdown. But yeah, Harrison Bryant had more yards. Harrison Bryant was a is is seems like a more explosive tight end to me. Not like they're pretty much the same guy, which is kind of weird. Uh, like they're basically identical players. And then you throw in Njoku, who is also an explosive player in his own right. Uh, Jarvis five for forty eight, six targets. It wasn't a great day, but it was encouraging for me. Uh, Jarvis has started the year really slow, dealing with the still recovering from that offseason hip surgery. So it was nice to see him get involved some. Uh, OBJ, we talked him up big on the uh, pre-show uh, Sunday morning. Um, I know that he was one of your guys that you were debating between, and I, I think you're pretty pretty pleased with the uh, decision you made at this point, right? Absolutely. I think he had a 37-point week in that format. So it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, I, also, I, yeah. also had, I also had Joe Mixon in the same league, so I'm, I'm sitting pretty comfortable in that league. Well, lucky, lucky you, <laughs> sir. So let's move on to Lions Saints. Um, you know, overall, it was kind of disappointing. I mean, Kamara did Kamara things. But other than that, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders is, is he started getting some targets this week. Uh, but I think Michael Thomas returns soon. And so... That's I think Michael last. Thomas honestly returns next week. I think that that's when he's finally back because he was close to returning. Uh, he was close to returning against Green Bay, and then he was really close to returning last week. So I think that he finally gets back next week, uh, and he's got a good and he's got a really good matchup too against, uh, against the Chargers on Monday Night Football. So I think that. 
getting a few weeks off, he gets that even extra day of rest to, to come back Monday night. So I think he's finally back, which kills the value of Sanders, but it also kills the value of Traquan Smith, who snagged a pair of touchdowns. Traquan Smith had four catches for 54 yards and two touchdowns on four targets. Super efficient on the day. Uh, he was running wide open on a couple of these balls. Drew Brees was able to drive the ball down the field against it to him, which was uh, good to see. Obviously, we've had questions about Brees's arm strength and whatnot. Breeze wasn't perfect, still had a pick, it had two sacks, but he looked good. Kamara disappointed me. Like, you say Kamara did Kamara things, Kamara was di- massively disappointing. I mean, he still, I don't put know. Up, he still put up, what, I mean, almost 20 points in most formats. It, like, it's still Kamara things. I mean, if that's a bad week. He had, 20, the... he had 20 points on the dot. I think. Well, I mean, I think it was more disappointing from what I was expecting because I had just watched... Alvin Kamara shred Green Bay. I had just watched Aaron Jones light up Detroit. I have seen like the 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 matchup was there for him to be RB one on the week, and then he was like, yeah, he had twenty points. And I'm sitting here just this is me nitpicking a guy who has well, played exceptionally well. Latavius but, Murray also had fourteen carries and stole two touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, Murray vultured two touchdowns, which so, was awful. I think the the game plan going into this game for New Orleans was clear. They were gonna run the football and you know, when they're gonna do that, so this is good to know moving forward. When they're gonna when they're gonna go into a game running the football, you can expect Latavius Murray to get some carries. So this is kind of a one of those barometer games that we talked about. Um learning some of these tendencies of these 2020 teams. So on that note, uh, look at the Detroit side. Overall, kind of gross. Matt Stafford salvaged his day with three touchdowns. Um, Adrian Peterson told you not to play him, but he fell in the end zone, so he probably gave you a decent week if he did. So other than that, I mean... gave you a nine. Yeah, Kenny Galladay. uh, DeAndre Swift had a nice week, considering the roles that he's had. I think he had one of the carries. He had four carries only, but he had four catches for 30 yards and a score as well. So... uh, Overall, it's a fifteen point week. That's not bad. That's not that's not a bad week for the RB two on a team. It's an outlier week because he only got eight touches. Yeah, it's also yeah, it's touchdown reliant. So, uh TJ Hawkinson had a really quiet week to a great matchup. Absolutely. Two done. for nine with a uh, he salvaged the day with a touchdown. He did. Like his day was still bad, but only having a seven point nine point week in PPR formats is awful. But Kenny G showed up four for sixty two with a touchdown, eight on eight targets. Uh, the eight targets is the big thing for me here. Yeah, he only caught fifty percent of the balls, but he also had he had four more targets than anybody else on the team. He had six more targets than receiver Marvin Jones, five more than Danny Amendola, and Amendola didn't do anything after that first drive. He had one like fifty yard catch in the first quarter, I think it was, or first drive, and then didn't do anything else. Kenny G four for sixty two. You're starting him every week. Stafford only having 200 yards was really disappointing for me. Um, I thought that he had the potential to have a big week, but he was extremely inefficient. Like, he had three touchdowns, which is great. State kind of salvaged his day, but nothing too exciting there. I think Kenny G's the only guy on this offense I'm really comfortable starting every week. Stafford I'm comfortable with most weeks, but I'm not going to, like, say, yep, I'm in on it every week. Yeah, I think with the Lions moving forward, you're going to be chasing game script. That's really what you're going to be doing because I'm not I'm not playing Matt Stafford in most formats. So, all right, let's move on to another dud of a game, Seahawks and Dolphins. Now, I know there was 54 total points in this game, but Ryan's, Ryan Fitzpatrick was awful. There's now talks of Tua coming in. But you know what? We said this on the on – the, uh, 
on Sunday morning, you know, Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick can do one of two things. He can come in and just do, do what he did against Jacksonville a week ago, or he can do what he did against Seattle this week and just be an absolute dud. And that's he what, can be Fitz Magic, or he can be Fitz Flatrick. I, I, Fitz, I don't know. Fitz Crap. I'm gonna go with Fitz Crap. Yeah, sure. It's so. it's 12:40. Give me a break. I can't. I'm not very quick right now. But so the, the one is, thing that, Devon, or that Ryan Fitzpatrick did was he fed Devonte Parker, and he fed him hard. He did. Ten for 110 and on 12 targets. Now that like that's great. Devonte Parker was able to produce against the bad defense. Now the big thing here for me was not who was number one in targets. It's who was number two. That Preston Williams. Preston, I, it, it might not, but Isaiah Ford is kind of kind of done a little no, bit he, here. you watched him, here. he was bad. He has four catches for 48 yards, but he was not good. He should have been able but, to maximize that 10 targets way more than he did. Well, he still massively outperformed Preston Williams, who we both talked up on the pre-show. Well, Preston Williams, I'm pretty sure he got hurt at some point during the game. And then he, uh, left, he, he left for he, a little he bit. Was, but, he was in pretty much the entire game. But this was one. Is, this was the uh, like I was watching this game and the Cleveland game. He was in okay. basically the entire game. Well, I'm still not trusting Isaiah Ford. I, That's fair. I'm not trusting him either. I'm just noting that he, even if Preston Williams did lead the game very briefly, he still had seven more targets. So Preston Williams did that out that long. Fitzpatrick probably salvaged his day because he had a rushing touchdown and 47 yards rushing, which I don't think anybody was going to call that. So, you know, he, you know, he salvaged his day because he also had passed for 300 yards. But overall, it was a dud of a day from Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, Miles Gaskin is still the RB1, unquestionably. But 10 carries for 40 yards. You're hoping for a touchdown still with Miles Gaskin. Um, Matt Breida finally had a couple receptions. He was three for three catches on three targets for 39 yards. Uh, Mike Kosicki, he did he did lay an egg. One for 15. It was it was a, not, a, not a goose egg, but it was an egg. It was pretty bad. So... Yeah. Um, you know, uh, hopefully you took my advice there uh, from uh, from Sunday morning. Um, so let's move on to Seattle, though. Uh, Chris Carson, I gotta love this dude. Sixteen love carries, Chris Carson. sixteen carries, eighty yards, two touchdowns. Um, that's gonna be pretty consistent for him. Other than the touchdowns, I mean, even if you're getting sixteen carries, eighty yards, and what three catches for twenty, uh, that you're taking that most weeks, even if he doesn't fall in the end zone. So that's good for him. Russell Wilson. Still did a lot of really good things. Uh, had a pick in this game. Uh, I didn't see it, though. I didn't see the pick this week. So uh, uh, The pick was he forced a ball in the end zone, and uh, the guy that came down with it, who was it? Xavier uh, Howard made a good play on the ball. Okay. Uh, it was it was a tight spot, and he tried to force it in, and Howard made a play. It was it was either a third down, and they were – yeah, it was a third down. They were getting ready to kick a field goal, and he just kind of forced it. Howard made a play. That's all it was. Wilson's like three three hundred sixty yards is great. They just they couldn't finish drives, which is extremely surprising considering through four through the first three weeks of the season, if they got into the red zone, they scored touchdowns literally every time. So guess who led the Seattle team in targets? Uh, Greg Olson. Yeah, sure did. I, uh, Old I, Greg. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Greg Olson had a good day. Uh, Tyler Lockett had a bizarre day. The entire His offense very... was bizarre. I think we need to chalk this entire game up to be an outlier for the Seahawks offense because it was just weird. I... Yes and no. Here's why I'm going to say no. DK Metcalf did exactly what he's done all year. I think that you can't chalk that. He's get he's getting deep targets. He's getting a consistent he, – he's either been the wide receiver one or wide receiver two in terms of targets every week. He gets – and he gets deep balls. DK Metcalf is not chalked. Greg Olson, seven targets. I think that's a little weird. 
uh, I think that he'd generally be closer to four to five targets. He had a, he had a week where he got a lot of targets. Good for him. Great. Five for 35 is not out of the realm of expectation for him every week with how much this offense throws. Chris Carson made sense this week. Russell Wilson had a lot of yards, not a lot of touchdowns. It's okay. Tyler Lockett. His first cat or his first ball that got thrown in, he was wide open. And we've known Tyler Lockett in the last three years to be the most sure-handed receiver that Russ has played with, and just dropped it like it was hit him in the chest, just let it hit the ground. It was bizarre to watch. David Moore though, three for ninety-five and a touchdown. I think David Moore is a consistent flex option for you every week in it in wider in in twelve-team or deeper leagues. Uh, he gets he only got four targets, but. He generally gets about four to five every game. This offense throws. The defense can't stop anybody, so they have to throw. So I think D- David Moore, DK Metcalf, Lockett, and Olsen, those are the four pass catchers you want. And I think that they have value every week in 12-team formats, every, every single week. Chris Carson, you're starting. Russell Wilson, you're starting. So, yes, it's chalky and it's kind of weird, but the week, but everybody that produced made sense. Other than Travis Homer getting one catch for three yards. Yeah, everybody else made sense. You big old liar there. Uh, but let's move on to Chargers Buccaneers. This was an interesting game. Uh, it started out kind of really kind of crappy for Tom Brady. Uh, he threw a pick six early in this game. Chargers went up, I think, fourteen nothing early, and then um, they kind of floundered from there on out. And Tom Brady started doing what we expect him to do this week. Uh, he started dissecting this this Chargers defense um, from inside out. Uh, just, just kind of pulling them apart. Mike Evans had a big day. If I see here, seven catches, 122 yards on eight targets, one touchdown. Scotty Miller had five catches for 83 yards and a score. Uh, O.J. Howard, uh, torn Achilles, done for the year, but he had three catches, 50 yards and a score. Uh, Justin Watson, a four on 60 or four out of six for 40. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, you're not playing him anywhere anymore. Ronald Jones had six catches for 17 yards on nine targets. So not a ton of production there, but at the same time. The but look at his there. rushing work. Right. Twenty for one eleven, five point six yards per carry. The He's thing that's not going to average five yards per carry every week. Is but RB one week for him. It might. It should be. Yeah, but, I believe it was. Uh, I believe it was because he got. Uh, if wait, not, no, no, it wasn't. A very because high he, end RB two. So yeah, he was a high end RB two this week because he didn't like didn't get zone. it. He, yeah, he didn't get in the end zone, and a lot of the guys that finished ahead of him did. Uh, so Ronald Jones had a great week. Um, if you listen to the live stream, I know we both talked, uh, talked up Ronald Jones. I played him in all of my, in all of my DFS lineups this week. Cause, uh, he was really cheap. He gave you good value for what you're paying for Mike Evans. Uh, this was weird to see because, um, outside of week two. So wait, now that means next week he's going to catch like two balls for, and they're both going to be touchdowns, but it's going to be for like five yards. Because well, right like now Godwin's not... back or not? Because that was with well, Godwin in the lineup too. I think Godwin is the clear wide receiver one when he's in there. I think he just fits what Brady's looking for. But he's on this cycle now. He week one and week three, he caught a couple of balls for touchdowns and no yards. Week two and week four, a lot of balls, a lot of yards, and a touchdown. <laughs> I'm not saying that there's correlation there, but there's a pattern developing after four weeks. Uh. We'll, we'll see. I don't know if it's equivalent to the Matt Ryan odd-even year trend, but we'll see. Um, all right, here, Chargers side of the ball. Overall kind of disappointing um, in terms of rushing attack. Uh, 23 carries total for the team, 46 yards. 
and the Chargers lost Austin Eckler probably for a significant period of time. Um, I, I've read various reports. It could be anywhere from three weeks all the way to the rest of the season. So uh, we really need to wait on more information on Austin Eckler, but you're going to be without him for a, a hot minute at, at minimum. So go get Joshua Kelly. Although he struggled mightily in this game, uh, the Buccaneers do boast a good rush defense, and, and that battered Chargers offensive line, uh, it really kind of showed. Uh, Justin Herbert, though, 20-25, 290 yards and three touchdowns. He threw one bad pick, but chalk it up to being a rookie. Justin Herbert has looked fantastic, and Keenan Allen has been the biggest benefactor of that, getting 12 targets. The, there's 25 total throws. So he got well, Mike scored. Williams is also out, so factor that in a little bit. Still. Mike Williams did not play. Okay, fine. Take Tyron Johnson, Jalen Guyton. Keenan Allen still had a great day, don't get me wrong. And, right. yes, he's going to be the volume wide receiver one. I just wanted to temper expectations a little bit. And also, Anthony Lynn needs to shove it. That's exactly I'm, what I said. I, don't... I am tired of this. <laughs> Justin Herbert has played three games for you. In two out of those three games, you have been in those games – in this game, they scored all 31 of their points in the first three quarters. Herbert was not able to come back and was not able to lead the lead you to victory. I'm sorry. Guess what? Your defense gave up 38 points to Tom freaking Brady on the road. You were on the road, and Herbert kept you in the game. 20 for 25. One interception. That means he had four balls that were incompletions. He had, he had one ball that was an interception, then the other four were incompletions. He was efficient with his throws. He had a 137 passer rating. Guess what? That's 20 points better than Brady's was. He was your leading rusher on the day. He wasn't great. He's 5 for 14, 2.8 yards per carry. It's bad. It's real bad. But I don't know what you want, Anthony Lynn. You're This whole, oh, well, we didn't win, so it doesn't matter. Whatever. Shut up. This is ridiculous. I, I, this is just – it's flat-out ridiculous. I could understand if Herbert was going out there and tossing three picks and just looking bad, but he he's not – he's making good plays. Even – like there's an analyst that are sitting there – like Bruce Arians himself said that's a Patrick Mahomes play with the uh, – he was fading back with uh, pressure at his, at his feet. He just kept falling back in the pocket. And he threw it to his guy, completed it, big play. It's great. I love it. I'm tired of this Herbert slander, and it's just – it's really frustrating like, I could understand if Herbert was playing bad, but he's not. Herbert is playing well. He's playing much better than I expected. I know he's better playing better than you expected, Tyler, and playing better than anybody expected. Even the biggest Herbert supporters could not have predicted he would look this good this early. I, completely, I have nothing else to add to that. I mean, I completely agree. Anthony Lynn needs, needs to stop being a poophead because that's really what he's being right now. Backs. I don't know what else to call him, but that's what he is. So, okay. I'm sorry. My ESPN is being super slow. I'm not You're okay. So, You're okay. let's go here. Ravens, Washington. Now, this was a – I think it went exactly as we expected it to go. Uh, the game script really fell heavily in, in Baltimore's favor. Uh, Lamar Jackson had a big rushing touchdown. Uh, he was overall okay throwing the ball. 14 of 21, 193 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, let's see here. He had seven carries, 53 yards, and a score. Mark Ingram salvaged his day with a score, but really had eight carries for 34 yards. Gus Edwards led the team in carries with nine. Uh, J.K. Dobbins didn't get much work at all. And so Marquise Brown had four catches on eight targets for 86 yards. Uh, Miles Boykin is your current wide receiver, too, there, outside of Mark Andrews, obviously, who salvaged his day with two touchdowns on three targets and three catches. So uh, not, overall, not a great day for Mark Andrews, but somehow he's still going to finish probably as a tight end one on the week. I haven't looked yet, but... 
Oh, he's definitely a tight end one on the week. He's got so that's no, I meant the so tight end one. The oh, tight end. the tight end one? No, Bob Tanya, bro. Oh, Bob you're right. Tanya just you're had right. three touchdowns. You're right. You're right. You're right. My bad. Yeah. My bad. Okay. That's slanderous. Uh, so here's the thing about Marquise Brown. So Marquise Brown had four catches on eight targets. The thing I love about this is his week could have been much better if his defense wasn't if his team just wasn't rolling. Like they, so they were up big and pulled Lamar early on, and pulled Lamar before the game was over. And then they were just running the ball. Gus, Ed, that's why Gus Edwards had nine carries. So, so I encouraged to see Brown clearly being the wide receiver one. He had four more targets than Miles Boykin, who was the wide receiver two on the week. Uh, yes, Mark Andrews, Mark Andrews only had three targets. Yes, he caught all three of them, had 57 yards, two touchdowns. But I love seeing Marquise Brown getting work. Uh, I really like what the potential of the player. I really like where he's going. Uh, on this Baltimore offense, yeah, Lamar had a pedestrian day passing, but you don't draft Lamar for the passing, you draft him for the rushing. The one thing that's kind of concerning, he had six carries for three yards. If you take out that one big 50-yard touchdown run, that means he averaged half a yard per th- per those six carries. So that's a little concerning. I think he'll have better weeks moving forward. Uh, Washington's strength on like on their entire team is their defensive front even with chase young out they're still super deep there so i think that they'll have better games i think he'll have better games rushing uh, and i think he'll have better games passing as well so he gave you a decent week uh mark ingram is starting to get real concerning uh eight for 34 yes he salvaged it with a touchdown had one catch for three yards um i was really big on ingram uh that is starting to fade for me if you have better options at running back which you should based on what you had to invest to get him uh, I would probably sit, lean towards those guys right now. Uh, I still like him. I think on this Ravens team, you're starting Lamar, you're starting uh, Marquise Brown, you're starting Mark Andrews. After that, I'm not starting anybody, even if it's a perfect matchup, because I've seen Engram struggle even in perfect matchups. On the Washington side of the ball, Terry McLaurin, Antonio I think Antonio Gibson's a stay, safe start right now, right? Yeah, it pains me to admit it, but yes. I mean, he had, what, 17, 17 touches here for a 128 yards and a score uh so yeah i I think so too um terry mclaurin i don't think we need to touch on him he had 10 catches for 118 yards 14 targets the clear wide receiver one has been the guy we do need to talk about here is jd mckissich now i was wondering if you're gonna go with mckissich yeah because he's approaching james white status of you can probably throw him on your flex and get yourself seven to eight points and if he gets a touchdown you're looking at 14 15 um i i think he's worth stashing on your bench at this point and uh he's not a bad flex play if you really have to get put somebody in there that can get you a solid floor the one thing to worry about with mckissick okay so actually so 17 targets for on catch caught 11 of them so i was i was one i was wondering how much he had played because i knew so he started three games yeah, McKissick is gonna be. I wouldn't call him James White level. No, but he's discount James, James White, White. But James, yeah, I was gonna say James White discount. Also, Dwayne Haskins didn't have a bad day. Thirty-two for forty-five. Didn't wasn't score. good though. Wasn't good, but I just wanted like he wasn't good, but he wasn't that bad. He also had a rushing touchdown. He had a lot of yardage against the defense that was up big, so they're playing prevent. But there was this. Uh, the report came out from Rap Sheet right before game time that he was basically playing for his job. And I think that he did enough to warrant keeping his job and his and 
the agent for Haskins went after rap sheet when that report came out. He said, I love that this guy is in the first year of a new quarter, a new coach. He's got a bad offense or he's got a beaten up offensive line. He's got young weapons. He had no offseason. All of these, he listed off all these different things and he's the one that's playing for his job. Cool. And I, and I agreed Haskins hasn't been good, but he hasn't been, he hasn't been just plumb awful. There's been definitely been worse quarterbacks. Uh, we will talk about the Monday night game. Uh, not the Green Bay game, but the other one. We will talk about those quarterbacks who were definitely worse. Sam Darnold has been worse than Dwayne Haskins has this year. Again, Haskins hasn't been great, but he's definitely not been the worst quarterback in football. I will agree he has not been the absolute worst, but I do think there's an argument to be made that Darnold has been worse. Or Darnold has been better, I should say, in some, in some scenarios. Well, it's negligible, though, because you're probably not playing either one of them in any format at this point. So Cardinals-Panthers, overall very disappointing game. Kyler Murray... Uh, we talked about this. He, Kyler Murray is doing some of the things he did at Oklahoma that he didn't do in his rookie year. And so I don't know if it's a case of him becoming more comfortable in his own skin and trying to make plays, but he's making some really, really dumb decisions with the ball. Now, it didn't, it didn't result in any interceptions this week, but it definitely should have. Um, 133 yards, three touchdowns. So the three touchdowns for him are going to salvage the day. He did have six carries for 78 yards as well. So because of that rushing floor, we talk about this so much, because of the rushing floor, he's going to have value every single week. But I think we need to start tempering our expectations for this Cardinals passing offense. If, if Unless Kyler can kind of get it all together and, and really take a step forward from his rookie year because what we saw last year was really promising. So I want to talk about these running backs in Arizona, though. 13 carries for 35 yards. Four for 16 for Edmonds. Pretty concerning on both ends. Yeah, uh, Kenyon Drake is uh, is struggling. Uh, I thought that he had a big chance to kind of live up to the performance that he put up when he arrived in Arizona last year, and uh, that has not, not been the case so far this year. 13 for 35 is bad. Uh, didn't have any work in the receiving game. Chase Edmonds took that. Five for 24 on six targets and a touchdown. Uh, four carries, 16 yards out of Chase Edmonds. I don't think I can start either one of these. The The issue that you run into with Drake is you kind of have to start him based on what you invested in him. Unless you went heavy running back, which is a smart decision to do, zero running back. Wait, actually, quick question, Tyler. What's your opinion on zero running back for I, draft strategy? I think it's stupid to go to, into any draft with a specific strategy. Fair enough. Okay, so as Tyler said, zero running back is stupid, and you shouldn't use it. So you should hypothetically. There are times yeah, no, where it can matter. There are, there are times where I did no, it. That's exactly what Tyler but... said. Okay. Anyway, so I think that you can't start. You can't bench Drake just based on what you invested in him. But also, if you have better options, I wouldn't hate playing them. I think that he is struggling. This offense as a whole has really let you down after the first couple of weeks. Uh, the Jets' defense is bad, but. They just gave up 100-plus yards to Melvin Gordon, who I personally think is a worse running back than Kenyon Drake, but that's just my opinion. I've never been a big Gordon guy. I think that Gordon relies really heavily on volume. Drake's not getting volume right now. Uh, he's not getting receiving work either. So I think Kenyon Drake has the recipe for a bounce-back week, but I'm also I'm tempering expectations, and I'm looking for other options here. I think Kyler Murray had a down week. I think he's going to have a much better week next week just because the Jets are the perfect get-right uh, game for any offense. Um, I'm big on Arizona next week. Uh, I want all pieces of it. I think Christian Kirk has the potential for a big week. Uh, Nuke had a really quiet week. The one, so the one thing that I was listening to a podcast today, 
that uh, with Kyler Murray, the area he struggles is that um, short to, or is that intermediate range from 10 to 19 yards. Uh, he had, I think, only three like good th- like three good throws, and then the rest of them were all like turnover worthy throws. I think he had like seven or eight turnover worthy throws, and it's because he's short, and it's he struggles to get the ball over that offensive line, like over those taller offensive linemen and over the linebackers. So I think Kyler Murray has a better week, but that rushing floor, similar to Lamar, is going to continue to buoy him every week. Lamar is a better runner, but Murray's still getting carries, or still getting yards. Murray's actually the leading rusher for this team right now. Fun fact. So I'm actually, we talked about this Carolina team, and I talked about their passing defense going into this week. Are you willing to buy into the Carolina passing defense now that they've stifled the Cardinals' offense? No, but that's no because I've seen them get exploited by teams through the air so far. But they didn't. They held they held this this illustrious Cliff Kingsbury offense to twenty one points. They had three touchdowns, but overall, Kyler Murray passed for one hundred and thirty three yards. Yeah, but he was also twenty four of thirty one. He completed passes, just his so, receivers weren't making weren't they make. So Tom Tom Brady had two hundred seventeen yards against them, a touchdown interception, put up thirty one points. Uh, they ran the ball really well in that game. Like I think like I'm not will I'm just not willing to buy this team because I think that they're more scheme based than anything else, and I don't trust the players that they have here. I I think that Nuke was was injured coming into the game same thing with christian kirk both guys played through i think both guys played through injuries but they're nothing that ex- i don't think this defense is that exciting for me uh they're like their pass rush is good i love uh brian burns uh shaq thompson's a great linebacker option dante jackson is p- finally playing up to the potential you thought he had coming out of lsu trey boston's a good safety jeremy chin's a good combo option i'm just i'm not willing to buy this this defense because I just I need to watch more of it. Maybe this week I'll watch some film and maybe I'll change my tune come Thursday when we talk. Bring this bring this up again. I'm gonna make a note. We'll, and we'll, bring, we'll talk about it on Thursday. Because I'll try and watch some film on this week. They're still going to be heading into next week the number one defense against the pass. So definitely will come up again. Uh, but on the Carolina offensive side, Teddy Two Gloves had a fantastic day. Uh, 276 yards in the air on 26 completions. Two touchdowns and a pick, uh, but he did have a rushing touchdown. Six carries for him. Uh, Mike Davis is approaching must-start status uh, in this Carolina offense until Christian McCaffrey returns. Uh, He's already there. All right, fair enough. Uh, Reggie, Reggie Bonifon had 10 carries to Mike Davis's 16. So Bonifon is also not a bad option if, say, Mike Davis got an injury. Uh, you, could be look, you could be looking at Bonifon as a fill-in as well. Um, but Robbie Anderson here. 11 targets to DJ Moore and Mike Davis is six and DJ Moore had four four receptions for 49 yards to Anderson's eight for 99 um, what are you doing with DJ Moore so the interesting thing about this I saw the stats earlier where Robbie Anderson actually has a shorter depth of target like average depth of target than DJ Moore does this year and obviously coming into the year that was the big knock on Robbie Anderson versus DJ Moore was, oh, DJ Moore generally gets his targets closer to the line of scrimmage, so he's more likely to have a better year. They they flipped the script. Robbie Anderson is operating close to the line of scrimmage, whereas DJ Moore is going, I think he's getting his average depth of target right now is right around 12 versus Robbie's is right around 4. 
so I think that Robbie Anderson is a safe start every week. Uh, I don't know if he's going to have big weeks like this. Eight for 99 is really good. But I think that he's a safe start every week. I'm still starting DJ Moore. Uh, I, I trust the talent. Uh, I trust the volume he's getting. He was second on the tied for second on the team in targets with six. Uh, Mike Davis also had six. Uh, I'm still starting him. Uh, I just have I have faith in the player that I've seen over the past couple of years. I think that he's going to continue to be that level of player. So well, well, that issue is there. Like that he's underperformed so far to start the year. I still have confidence in him. Uh, I have confidence in Robbie. The only like the, Robbie, DJ Moore, and Mike Davis are all the guys I'm starting right now. Uh, and then if whenever CMC comes back, he'll obviously take over the Mike Davis role again and be be a locked in guy. What do you do with Ted Two Gloves? He's depending on the matchup. He's startable in Superflex. I think it's, that's See. the way I'm looking at it right now. Next week, I feel like he's got a good matchup next week. Am I, am I mistaken? All right, well, you do that. I'm going to start Falcons, talking with... Falcons next week. Oh, you're there starting, you go. You're starting Teddy... QB1, Teddy Two Gloves next week. Possibly. All right, possibly. <laughs> Let's talk about Vikings-Texans, though. The Vikings survived the battle of the defeated, and the Texans have now fired Bill O'Brien. So, a lot to talk, a lot to talk about here, a lot to unpack. Um, this offense for the Texans, it's led by Deshaun Watson. There is no doubt in that. But it, overall just looks stale and pedestrian. Deshaun Watson put together a great day, 300 yards and two touchdowns, which he should have. It was a good matchup for him. Uh, Will Fuller had a good day, six catches, 108, and a touchdown. After that, it's a bunch of guys just getting a couple targets. Not really Start Will Fuller, don't start anybody else. Start Will Fuller, start Deshaun Watson, that's it. Brandon Cooks had zero zero catches for for zero yards. I still think he's worthy of consideration of a flex play. Uh, just, it was just a bad week for him. I mean, just chalk it up to that, an outlier week. Uh, David Johnson. So David Johnson started the season out strong, but has since kind of fallen by the wayside. Uh, 16 carries for 63 yards is a little under four yards a carry. Uh, he didn't get the receiving work that we thought he would. I don't know which one he is here. but Two for 29 on three targets. Okay. Yeah, so they thank you ESPN for labeling your Dave and your Duke Johnson effectively. So, um, yeah, two catches for 29 yards, so that's a total of 18 touches for a little under 100 yards. So, I, You're starting Will Fuller, you're starting Deshaun a, Watson, until Brandon Cooks proves that he can be play. viable. I'm not starting him. David Johnson is flex David Johnson is a, David Johnson's a flex play, yes. That's it. Viking but, side? So we've covered Houston. Yeah, Viking side, you're starting Dalvin Cook. Adam Thielen, yes. Justin Jefferson. I love Justin Jefferson. I really do. I want that to be clear. I was really high on him coming into the draft. I had him as my easy wide receiver four behind um, the top three of Lamb, Judy, and Ruggs. I love Justin Jefferson. Give me one more Do week. not say but. I swear to God. I, Get, I, I Here's what I want. Again, I want one week where it's not big plays. That's what I want. He gave last week. He gave me seven for one seventy, but it was all big plays. This week, four for one hundred three, all big plays. I love the player. I just want him to show me that he can. Like if he can, like if he does big plays again next week, I'll take it. I will live with it. Who but what Minnesota I'm saying is, next week? Uh, Minnesota plays uh, Seattle. So okay, sure, never go. mind. Start Justin Jefferson next week. <laughs> okay, I take it back. Adam Thielen. Uh, you're starting him definitely next week, and I think that he's approaching safe start 
every week. And then after that, this this game was pretty pretty easy to know who you're starting out of it and who you're not, especially on the Minnesota side. Yeah, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, and like we said all week long, uh, this is a great barometer. Uh, we talked about it on the Packaday podcast with Alex Trout, and we talked about it on our Friday uh, edition. This week is really starting to give us a clearer picture of what we can expect from a lot of these guys. And with that being said, we go into a game that went as nobody expected, Rams-Giants. So, overall disgusting. Absolutely nothing from this game that I am taking forward here other than Cooper Cup, and that's it. And Cooper Cup's Cup's day was almost a bust. He caught right. one touchdown in the fourth quarter. He had, he four, had five. He had four, four catches for 14, 14 yards. Yep. Prior to that catch, so, he, but as the guy that covers the Rams for Roto Baller, uh, Jared Goff's going to have better weeks. Uh, don't worry about the running backs right now; they're gross. But Cam Akers is expected to return next week, so that's going to be a little weird. Uh, Cooper Cup is a safe start. Robert Woods is a safe start. Tyler Higby's weird though. What you you don't trust Cooper Cup or, Ty, or Robert I, I, Woods? No, I'm shaking my head looking at this running back group. Like yeah. It, this running back group had a bad day against a in a great matchup, and it's about to get worse with Cam Akers coming back. So I don't trust the running backs. Um, Daryl Henderson, you were everybody was hoping it was his season. Uh, and if you here's the thing though, unlike other unlike uh, Kenyon Drake, if you roster Daryl Henderson or Cam Akers or Malcolm Brown, you probably have another option you can play over them and still feel comfortable about it. Kenyon Drake, you have to play because of what you invested in them. These guys, I am letting them sit on my bench until I figure out what the offense is going to do at the running back position. Wide receivers, you're playing Robert Woods, you're playing Cooper Cup. You probably have to play Tyler Higby because you bought in. I didn't buy in. I, that's why I don't have any shares of him this year. But he he's touchdown reliant. Outside of those three touchdowns he caught in week two, he has not done anything. He's not an after-the-catch guy. He just he doesn't do anything. He's not a supreme athlete. Gerald Everett's a is the better tight end athlete. He just doesn't get the volume that Higby does. So, Robert Woods is still a viable option too. He had seven targets, said, six catches. Did, did I not say him? Oh, I didn't hear you say it. But the, the... I thought Emmett. I thought I said Cup and Woods were the two that I was starting. But but if I if I didn't, yes, I fully agree. Woods is a startable guy. They both had seven targets. Uh, he he and he also gets rushing work. He only had one for two yards. So so that was a little disappointing. But he always gets volume every week. So him and Cup. I'm comfortable with. Uh, I'm comfortable with Jared Goff in most matchups just because of how much he throws the ball. And uh, next week they play the Cowboys. Or no, nah, who do the Rams play? They play Washington. So I think that he has a chance for a better week next week. Um, I'm not sure what to do with the running backs. Leave them as is for now. I'm not playing any of them if I don't have to. And that applies uh, to both sides. So the Giants, the same case. I mean, Devontae Freeman. Don't play it. any of the running backs. Yeah. Don't play any of them. And then on the other side, or as a receiver, you're looking at Evan Ingram, who had 10 targets. Didn't do much with them, but he had 10 targets. And then Darius Slayton had seven. Uh, Golden Tate's likely to be suspended, so uh, you'll probably get to find an option next week. Yeah, but... that was uh, that was that was a, that was something. <laughs> so I mean, he's not producing much on the field anyway, so probably not that big of a loss for yeah. you. So. Really, it's Evan Ingram and Darius Slayton, and that is absolutely it. Daniel Jones, I am probably cutting him in most places right now. I just do have no faith in him, and I'd almost rather play guys like... Teddy Two Gloves. Teddy, yeah. If, if Teddy Bridgewater is sitting on your waiver right now, go pick a, go pick him up and drop Daniel Jones. Like, it's that easy. So, uh, all right. Moving on, though. Uh, this game was just overall gross, and I don't want to talk about that much more. So, Bill's Raiders... 
Josh Allen is still a thing, obviously. Stephon Diggs is even more of a thing. Uh, and so uh, Devin Singletary got 18 carries for 55 yards. Not ideal. It's about three yards a carry. But this Raiders defense is uh, underrated. And so then Stephon Diggs comes into the day, six catches, 115 yards, seven targets. John Brown still did John Brown things. He had four catches for 42 yards on five targets. So that's about what you expect for him unless he's getting in the end zone. And uh, Devin Singletary had five catches for 21 yards and six targets. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's the it. big thing with Singletary. So he had seven there, uh, 55, so 12, and a touchdown, 18. He had a good week. Like, he kind of let you down in his yards per carry average, but he did get into the end zone. He did get the receiving work. Obviously, Zach Moss was out. I think Singletary has performed well with Moss out to justify maintaining a firm grip on these touches. It'll be interesting to see when Moss comes back. I presume he'll be back next week. He wasn't ruled out until uh, Sunday. So just keep an eye on that. I think Moss will be back next week. So he could cut into Singletary's work, but I think he's still the guy. He's performed well for the most part. Uh, Stephon Diggs is great. Uh, I love the connection he has with Josh Allen. Um, Josh Allen only had 288 yards. I know it's weird to say only considering he didn't have a 300 yard passing game until uh, week one of this season. So, but Josh Allen, you're you're starting every single week. He only had three for negative one. One of those was a kneel down, but he did get into the end zone. He has more quarterback sneaks uh, in the last two years, I believe, than any other quarterback in football. If I remember hearing that stat during the broadcast, uh, John Brown is going to have John Brown's going to have better weeks uh, moving forward. He generally gets about this volume, but he's usually pretty good to break at least one for a 20 to 25 yard game. Cole Beasley snuck into the end zone there with a flip. Like literally he flipped over somebody to get in. Uh, Gabe Davis came down to earth uh, this week, one for 26 on one target. So he was more of a flash in the pan. Uh, The only two receivers I'm comfortable with are John Brown and Stephon Diggs. Uh, And then I'm comfortable with Singletary, comfortable with Josh Allen. Yeah, let's go to the Raiders then. Uh, Derek Carr actually had a pretty good day. Uh, 311 yards, two touchdowns on 32 out of 44. And Josh Jacobs had a dud of a day. But you know what? It's You're going to have to weather these days every now and then with the Raiders offense sometimes, uh, especially with the lack of wide receiver. All they have is Darren Waller really to catch passes. Hunter Renfro is only good in PPR formats. Uh, Aguilar is a flash in the pan. Do not buy into Aguilar. Uh Zay Jones had a couple weeks in a row where he's had a significant amount of targets in relation to the team. I'm still not buying. But he was still him, third on the team in targets this right. week. Renfro did have eight targets. Darren Waller had 12. We talked him up big time on the pre-show. We talked him up on the podcast last week. Nine for 88. He had a great matchup. He took advantage. Carr looks his way often. He had 12 targets, which is about uh, 20% target share. So love seeing that out of Waller uh, this week. I agree with you on the Jacobs thing. Uh, I thought Jacobs had a chance for a good matchup, but I was also worried that he would get game scripted out, which is kind of what happened here. Throw in the fact that he was just largely ineffective. I think next week we could see him have a sneaky big week um, against Kansas City. I think that they might try and lean on him pretty heavily to try and slow the Chiefs offense down. Uh, That's something that we've seen a lot of teams do is they try and lean heavily on these big bulky running backs. It works if your defense can keep the score close. So if the Raiders' defense can play well and keep the, keep the game close, Jacobs has the potential for a big week, in my opinion. Uh, and I think that he's going to have better weeks. I saw somebody dunking on him on Twitter because he has, like, has had kind of quiet weeks since week one. But he's going to have better weeks. This team relies on him. This offensive line's still really good. Uh, and they're also dealing with an injury to their best offensive lineman. And uh, is it Trent Brown? Yes. Okay, so they're dealing with an injury to Trent Brown. So I think that this offensive line is going to be better. 
Uh, I'm comfortable with Waller, obviously, every week. I like Josh Jacobs. You're still starting him. Derek Carr in super flex formats is an interesting option. Uh, Hunter Renfro, like Tyler said, PPR formats only. Zay Jones is a flyer that I would go grab in, in waivers and deeper leagues, but I'm not definitely not sliding him in any lineups anytime soon. Yeah, let's move on. Eagles, Niners, uh, another gross game overall, but there's a lot to talk about still. Uh, specifically, I want to go to the San Francisco 49ers quarterback room. So <laughs> Nick Mullins, who played three, three and a half quarters of this game, okay? He played three and a half quarters of this game, and he had 200 passing yards. C.J. Beathard played the last quarter. Uh, the last out of three and a half quarters, he played the last quarter, and he had 138 passing yards. Simply amazing. So... Uh, but it looks like Jimmy Garoppolo will probably be back next week, so that's what you're looking yeah. at there. Um, but then on the rest of the offense, I mean, McKinnon. George Kittle is a monster. Absolutely monster. We'll get back to McKinnon, but George Kittle is a monster. 15 for 183 and a touchdown on 15 targets. Holy shnikes, he's great. Talk about if only Bob wasn't better. <laughs> and so Jerry McKinnon had, what, a total of 21 touches for – about 97 yards in a score. So that's not bad for yeah. Jerick McKinnon. I think that's about what you were expecting him to do when they first brought him into San Francisco. Um, and then Brandon Ayuk is probably the wide receiver to own behind Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel did not get a ton of work in this game, but Kyle Shanahan told us that beforehand. I expect Debo Samuel's workload to continue to increase, and Brandon Ayuk will be the wide receiver too behind him. So Brandon Ayuk is probably the guy you want to go get because they're going to get creative with him. He's going to do what Debo Samuel did last year. Debo Samuel was the guy who got those gadget plays, but then would run in, uh, would have two carries for 15 yards and a score, and then put, the, put put it together with four catches for 30 yards and whatever. You know, so Brandon Ayuk is going to be usable as a flex player in most formats going forward, um, just because of the way that they're going to use him. And then Debo Samuel is going to begin returning to form here soon. But man, George Kittle, 15 catches on 15 targets, 183 yards and a score. He was a monster all over the place. He was doing everything. Um, I don't think there's anything else we really need to say about George Kittle other than you were. there's no way you weren't playing him because you were waiting for him to come back. So, um, yeah. But that's one hell of a way to come back. So Jeff Wilson Jr., uh, I'm probably done with him now because Mostert's about to be back. So you could probably just move, uh, move Wilson into your bench or cut him and just forget about him. So I'm good there. And then uh, on the Eagles' side... Overall crap, you know. It, Ertz Zach Ertz is a dud. Zach Ertz may or may not be the biggest bust of a pick this entire year. That's not injury related. Agree or disagree? I can't agree yet, but it's definitely not far off. I okay to this point. To this point, I'd have to look at. I because I mean he hasn't done bad. anything even even when he's been healthy. He it's, hasn't done it. It's just super disappointing because. You would expect there being nobody else there to, to catch balls other than Greg Ward. You'd expect Ertz to be relevant, and he has not been. And so, By the way, I lied. George Kittle was the tight end one on the week. Um, Bob Tanyan was tight end two. So close. So close. Okay, well, because we, we were talking about it with Mark Andrews earlier. Mark Andrews right. will finish his tight end three on the week. George Kittle had 40.1 PPR points on the week. Wow. That's nuts. Yeah. Um, Miles Sanders, overall a little bit disappointing day. 13 carries for 46 yards. 
uh, and then two carries. They couldn't get anything going on the ground, though. But and the overall offensive efficiency for this Eagles team is just lacking, and they, they needed a hero ball play from uh, Wentz and Fulgham to win the game. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. How just, funny yeah. was it when uh, Chris Collinsworth was counting uh, real-time seconds when they were doing a slow-motion replay? Did I you did see not- that? No, no. So, but, so they were so they were replaying the touchdown to Travis Fulgham, and Chris Collinsworth is like that ball hung up in the air forever, and they're doing a slow mo replay, and he's counting one one thousand two, and he's counting like in real time on a slow mo. So he's like, yeah, that ball was up in the air for six seconds, and in reality, it was like three. It's like there you go, <laughs> that a boy, Chris. I was never, not watching the game with audio on. I was. I don't know what I was doing. That's for the I, best. I the you fitness. did you did not miss much. <laughs> on this offense, Miles Sanders and Miles Sanders is the only one I'm comfortable starting. You're probably starting Zach you're starting Zach Ertz because you invested heavily in him. He's gonna have better weeks. You but have to. Other but... than that, you're not starting Carson Wentz. You're I mean, not starting Fulgham. <laughs> I had to though. I did in a league that I had to as well. But it's still got me twenty points starting, in that league, so it's not terrible. But. You're not starting anything else in this league. Let's just move on. I don't want to talk about this game anymore. It's gross. <laughs> okay, this, oh, there's one more thing. One more thing. Okay, go ahead. The Eagles did begin to run the read options again with Carson Wentz, and that was promising because that's what made him so valuable early on. And so, if they continue to run the read options with Carson Wentz, his value is reestablished because he gets that rushing floor. So, uh, something to keep an eye on moving forward is that is that rushing work for Carson Wentz. All right, so Patriots Chiefs were down to the last two games here. We saw we saw we were going to talk about this game. Golly, the Patriots quarterbacks room is a mess right now without Cam Newton. Um, okay, ready? I'm going to break down this entire game in 30 seconds. Okay, Mahomes, Edwards, Hilaire, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. You start those guys. You don't start anybody else on this Chiefs offense until further notice. Patriots quarterbacks. Cam Newton needs to come back in order to elevate everybody else on this team. James White had seven for 38, eight targets. That means he's going to continue to be the guy he is. You can start him in your flex with some safety. Nikhil Harry got a touchdown. Great. Six targets. Also great. Demir Bird had 10 targets, caught five of them for 80 yards. I don't trust that to go to be a thing going forward. I do like him as a waiver pickup, though. And Keel Harry and Julian Edelman. As Ankyl Harry is a flex option, Julian Edelman is a high-end flex option, low-end wide receiver too. Edelman had a bad week; he had bad quarterback play. When Newton comes back, that'll that'll fix itself. I'm not Damian Edelman. Harris had a, that's fine. I'm Damian Harris had a great week, future. 17 carries for 100 yards. But I want to see if he does that again when Sony Michelle comes back. So boom. Back to my Edelman bit right there. I'm I'm not touching Edelman moving forward. I was talking to a good buddy of mine. We were watching the game or whatever. And uh, I was just like, man, he just looks off. And, you know, we both kind of agreed that he just doesn't – it just seems like he doesn't want to be in New England anymore. Like, he's done. Like, he's over it. And it's it's truly affecting his play. The pick six today um, that, that he dropped was awful. And that is not the first bad drop he's had over the last couple of weeks. Until it seems like he gets his head back in the game, I am not touching Adelman in my lineup. I just can't do it. Um I just have a feeling that Brian, or Brian, that Bill Belichick is going to lose his mind on Julian Edelman soon because of the way that he's playing. He's just, his head's clearly not there. But Damian Harris, 17 carries for 100 yards. Rex Burkhead had 11 for 45. Uh, Rex Burkhead did not have any receiving work. Neither did Damian Harris. Um, how, how much faith are you placing in Damian Harris in the absence of Sonny Michelle? 
Uh, if Sonny Michelle continues to be absent, I have a lot of faith in him. But Sonny Michelle was a game time decision tonight, so I don't think. Oh, is he? Did he go to IR? Yes, sir. All right, then I am comfortable playing Damian Harris. Um, I want to factor in Damian Harris was in a perfect storm of matchup tonight. The Chiefs, the Chi- the Chiefs were one without Chris Jones. Our their best defensive player was out. And where does Chris Jones play? Right in the middle, where Damian Harris runs. Damian Harris is a quicker back than Sonny Michelle, who's a little bit more of a plotter, but he's also not exactly like a fleet-footed guy. He's not going to get any receiving work because that's what James White's there for. Like Damian Harris didn't have a single target on the night. James White had all of the running back targets other than one for Rex Burkhead. So I'm comfortable playing Damian Harris as a flex option in deeper leagues, but I'm also not in love with it. He didn't get a touchdown, but then again, this entire offense is bad. Once Cam Newton comes back, I think that really opens your opportunity for Harris. And But I'm, just, I'm not sold Harris long-term. Um, he's got a lot of mileage on him from college. He didn't see – this is his first work. I want to see him play in a matchup that's not just tailor-made to have success. Next week against Denver, if he does this again next week, then I think that he – then Sony Michelle just lost his job. If Harris comes out next week – if Harris comes out next week and plays at this level, Michelle should not have his job come week six. I can't agree more. Or whenever he comes back from IR. All right, and let's move on to the game that – We've all been waiting to talk about uh, Packers Falcons. So let's just Jair Alexander, side. best cornerback in football. He he did. He put he put the clamps on Calvin Ridley today. Laid laid the big old goose egg. Uh, Adrian Amos played a big part in that as well, sacrificing his body for that that last play and uh, really making a, a tremendous play on the ball to deflect the touchdown away from Calvin Ridley. So Matt Ryan ends up twenty eight of thirty nine for two hundred and eighty five yards with no scores. Uh, no picks, but he definitely should have had a couple. And then um, the rushing work is still Todd Gurley. 16 carries for 57 yards. Salvage his day with two touchdowns, but is a little under four yards per carry. So Todd Gurley still is – I was actually looking at this during the game because I was really curious. He's only got one week under double-digit points so far. But I think like 50 to 60% of his points have come from touchdowns. So if you can sell Todd Gurley – and get somebody to bite on the production, and use that point. He's got one week under double digits. Sell him right now and see what you can get for him, because the touchdowns are gonna touchdowns are gonna go away. Uh, receiving work, Julio Jones got hurt again. Uh, it seems like he re-aggravated that hamstring injury, and so Olamide Zacchaeus is the guy who led this Falcons team in targets. Uh, if you predicted that going into the week. Please come find me because I want to give you a celebratory high five. <laughs> oh, uh, I had him in all my DFS lineups tonight. I was, I was you know, really, I was it's really funny because Zacchaeus is one of those guys like I was keeping my eye on. Like he's on my watch list in a lot of places, but then like I'm now going to be too late. Like now I'm going to yeah. Be too now late. he broke out. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so now you're going to be sitting there trying to kind of scramble to get him off the waiver wire. But I'm not overpaying for him. Um, this was a fluke. I don't know what. Like I was watching the Falcons switch out their formations and they're uh, putting their subs in. I don't know why they were taking Ridley off the field so much. Uh, they were taking him Not off just a lot. Ridley. They were taking all the, the wide receivers Gage off. Too. Christian Blake was getting a lot of snaps. It was Zacchaeus really, got a lot of snaps. Really Gage was in there a lot. Weird. Julio Jones was in and off. Calvin well, Jones, Ridley didn't play, and off. Jones didn't play since first quarter. I know, but, but I, what I'm getting at is like Julio Jones, even when he was healthy, that he wasn't on the field for every snap. Like They were rotating receivers constantly. And as really the game weird. wore on, 
once Julio was gone, it was just I was like, oh yeah, Ridley's in on this play. And I'm like, nope, it's Blake and Zacchaeus because that's who your top two wide receivers are. I, this yeah, this Falcons offense. I think that they're. I think Dirk Cutter is put pressing. I think he's. I think he's. I don't want to say confused, but I think he's trying too hard and getting too fancy with it. They weren't inefficient. They they weren't like they weren't inefficient. I just think that the the game plan that Mike Patton put together was was perfect in terms of what in terms of how to contain this Falcons offense. Um, I mean, they had that what it was like a 19 play, 94 yard drive, and they didn't like they scored a touchdown on it, but like. I know they kicked a field goal. That no, no, they, 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 they kicked a field goal because remember that was the whole narrative that all three of the analysts who were really bad at pronouncing just basic words tonight. It was it was awful, Bakhtiara. But anyway, like that, yeah, nineteen play drive for three points. You go ninety four yards and you get three points. That's your your. If I'm Matt Ryan, uh, granted he was, he went over there, he was slamming his helmet and just all this other stuff. Just I'm pissed off. Like you're. He's doing a lot. Granted, he took three sacks tonight from Z, and Z forced a fumble on two of those three sacks. Z was after him all night. Ryan just couldn't hit throws when he got on the move. He did have a couple of runs, two for ten. That's the thing about that last play to Calvin Ridley. The last play to Calvin Ridley, if that ball is maybe a foot to the left, it's a touchdown. Yeah. Just actually, he doesn't – like, if you don't make Calvin Ridley stop, like, just – hit him on the move. I understand that throwing the ball across your body isn't easy. I've done it. It's not good. Like whenever I played flag football and everything and any real football and everything else, like my one rule, I told my receivers, I'm like, if you're on the opposite side of the field from me, you're not getting the ball. It's tr- like, unless we're doing a trick play where that designs for you to go the opposite way, I'm not throwing you the ball because throwing across the bo- across your body is difficult leads to more possibilities for defenders to get to the ball and break it up. That's exactly what happened there. If he throws that ball further to the boundary and further to the corner, Ridley catches that ball clean. He doesn't even have to stop for it. But Ryan just doesn't have the athleticism and arm torque to be able to make that. If he's standing and making that throw, he makes that all day. But because he was forced up in the pocket and had to try and make that throw on the move, he just couldn't make it. And this offense is going to have better days. Like you said, Green Bay cooked up a perfect scheme to slow them down. Jair was all over Calvin Ridley all night long. Uh, even, like, Kevin King went out. That's okay. Shannon Sullivan went out. That's okay. Josh Jackson kind of let you down, but Kadar Hallman stepped up. He had two pass breakups on the night. Darnell Savage had one. Uh, just this defense was good. Uh, Hayden Hurst had four for 51 on six targets. Christian Blake's not going to be a thing. Zacchaeus isn't going to be a thing, right? I think he's worth picking up because... I think he's worth picking up, but, like, Russell Gage is still the number three, right? (laughs) Right? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they were doing tonight. And I still think Russell Gage is probably your wide receiver three, but Zacchaeus is your wide receiver four. So... That I agree with. Yes, absolutely. Which this offense is going to produce three wide receivers usually. So... Yeah, but I think now you're not going to play Russell Gage. Like, Russell Gage was probably a lock for lineups <coughs> prior to that injury that he sustained last week with the concussion. But he came back, played. He only had two for 22 on three targets. Zacchaeus was take, feasting on underneath stuff. He was just – he got some garbage time stuff. Um, like, if Julio Jones continues to miss, I think Zacchaeus and Russell Gage become really intriguing options. 
Uh, Calvin Ridley's gonna have better weeks. You're gonna play him every week. Um, yeah, unless he's, still, um, he's probably still unless wide receiver he's one right now. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's wide receiver two. Amari Cooper's one. Oh, he is right, a that, wide yeah. receiver one though. Yeah, Cooper's wide receiver one. Let's move over to Green Bay though. Yeah, definitely. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, Rodgers three for three hundred twenty-seven yeah. yards, twenty-seven for thirty-three, four touchdowns on the night, one hundred forty-seven point five passer rating, ninety-six point nine QBR, near perfect. Um, he was 20 for 20 when targeting tight ends and wide receivers. Uh, Bob Tanya, six for 98, three touchdowns, six targets, or on six targets. He has already, he has five touchdowns, which is as many, like five touchdowns this season. That's as many as Jimmy Graham had in two years in Green Bay. Uh, that was the big thing. Uh, Rob Domofsky of ESPN kept tweeting out. Uh, Jamal Williams had eight catches for 95 yards on eight targets. Uh, wasn't really efficient in the running game, eight for ten, uh, which isn't great. But he had a lot of receiving game work. I don't know if uh, Lafleur was just trying to keep Aaron Jones healthy for the long run. He's like, you know what, we don't need to ride him. But Jamal Williams outsnapped him pretty, uh, pretty effectively, if I remember right. I can go look up real quick. I mean, just I, the snap count, but it wasn't I had close. that idea during the game. I mean, it looked like they were just kind of keeping him out. I don't think Aaron Jones sustained an injury or anything, so. Um, that, honestly, this Falcons defense played the run tough this 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 uh, this week, so it, that might be part of it. I mean, Aaron Jones. It was actually 15. 36, 33, and three. So like they were really close in snaps. I thought it was like it seemed like Williams was like out snapping him more, but I think he was just getting more touches. Like we were seeing, like Jamal Williams got like that string of touches throughout the second quarter, where just Aaron Jones just never got any work, like lead, before the half. So. I think this is what the Packers' offense looks like sans Devontae Adams. You know, it's, it's just going to be spreading the ball around to three different guys because, honestly, Marcos Valdez-Scantling only had four catches for 45 yards, but he had eight targets. He, he was yeah. being targeted. Uh, he's getting open. Uh, Jamal Williams, uh, although Marcos Valdez-Scantling, he should have had a touchdown. Let's be honest. He should have had a touchdown uh, in the third quarter, I think it was, where Rodgers uh, found him in ISO coverage against Isaiah Oliver, and he just didn't get his body around and wasn't able to make a play on the ball. But if, you know, like we watched some of the great Packers wide receivers of the past decade, and that's a play that they all make. So um, that's the difference between him being a good receiver and a great receiver. So unless he can make that play, he's not going to take the next step. Um, but Jamal Williams, if he continues to get this kind of receiving work, is going to be a flex-worthy play every single week. Um, and I don't I don't think he does, though. And Robert Tanyan I don't want to call him a flash in the pan, but when you have a lack of tight end options, like you probably do. I think he's a high-end tight end, too, right now. Yes, I agree. I agree. 100% I agree. Also, Mm -hmm. a quick thing on Jamal Williams. He was RB, like, 34 last year, so he is a flex option. He doesn't give you great production every week, but he was RB 34 on the year, which is... Uh, that's flex territory. So, so he, so this is, so him performing at this level is not that uh, that surprising. The rushing work was extreme. It was bad. Like he was bad. Like, he like got I said, the stuffed. Falcons, the Falcons were playing it well. The, Fal- the Falcons played the run well this week. Uh, even even Aaron Jones when he was making plays, like he had a couple big, he had a couple big runs. But for the most part, the Falcons did a good job of containing him too. Um, I just think overall the Falcons had a good game plan for stopping the run. And so that'll be interesting. That'll be something interesting to monitor moving forward as the teams pick up on what the Falcons did and are able to stop the run against Green Bay, Green Bay moving forward because that'll kind of have a trickle down effect on a lot of the things that they want to do. 
So, uh, but Aaron Jones had five catches for 40 yards. Had a really nice catch in the deep flat. Uh, Aaron Aaron Rodgers hit him in the hit him in the hole of the cover two. That was a beautiful. It was beautiful, beautiful play. all around. So. Those are the types of things that you're looking for from your RB1s. Uh, Aaron Jones is going to be fine moving forward, regardless of Devontae Adams' presence or not. All right. I don't think there's anything else for us to talk about, though. We kind of just quick rattled through 15 games. so. Yeah, that's 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 uh, that's enough. If you uh, if we didn't cover anything that you wanted us to cover, uh, feel free to at myself or Tyler on Twitter. I'm at G Bridgeford NFL. He's at Tyler underscore Grez. Um, and we'll cover it on the Thursday preview podcast or, that obviously releases Friday morning. So if you so if we have anything that we missed that you want us to cover, you want us to go more in depth on, feel free to let us know about it. Um, I know that I'll have a lot of content coming out in the next couple of days for Roto Baller and Dynasty Nerds. I know uh, I'll do my start sit column that'll come out Thursday. Tyler will be doing quarterbacks that'll come out Thursday or Friday, depending on when he uh, decides to get that submitted. Uh, thank you guys again for listening to us ramble on. Thank you for coming out to the live streams that uh, go every fr- Sunday morning. I will unfortunately be unable to attend this Sunday uh, due to some uh, real-life work obligations. Uh, but I know Tyler's, Tyler's going to be there again, uh, and he's got a couple of uh, really good guys to fill in for me. So keep the questions coming. Uh, keep keep the attendance up. It's it's great. The, the whole reason we're doing a second show is you guys are listening to it. Um, if you guys weren't listening to the Friday show, we wouldn't be doing a Tuesday show. So so thank you for giving – I know I'm rambling a little bit, and I'm really tired at 1.30 in the morning, but uh, – I'm just I'm really happy for this opportunity that uh, Tyler and I have to talk talk ball every week. Uh, I know that it's a I know he he enjoys it a lot and I enjoy it a lot as well. So just that that's all I got to say for now. I'm gonna let Tyler go ahead and wrap it up. <laughs> no, that's all good. Um, no, make sure you're checking out our rankings because they will be releasing on Wednesday morning uh, over there at Game on Wisconsin. So make sure you're checking those out as well. And, uh, yeah, check out the Jamal Williams show. If you're listening to this upon release, it'll be tonight, Tuesday night. Uh, watch the Jamal Williams show. He's, I'm sure he's got a lot to talk about after this week. He's going to be a happy dude. Uh, he was out, in the, out on the field dancing. So uh, it's going to be it's gonna be a lot of fun. It's going to be another great week. Uh, Packers have a bye this week. So definitely take the weekend off to enjoy some other football and really catch up on your fantasy stuff this weekend. And uh, we'll be around to talk about all of that this week uh, and heading into next week. So until next time, go back.